0: We have been talking about 2020 vision and I mean that's sort of the overarching title and I have been thinking of that in this sense, not just vision like when someone says I've got a vision for what should be, that is part of it, but also vision that we see, just that we have the ability to, to see things. Uh, spiritually, and in 2020, um, there are some things I want this year, and I'm, I'm not just, you know, getting, I'm, I'm trying not to just be selfish and say, God, this is what I want, and I, I know this is contrary to your will, or something like that, because that's, that's useless, uh, you know, God, I, his arm can't be twisted, has anybody found that out uh, Where, through some pleading and, God, how about this? How about that? And if it isn't his will, you're not going to twist his arm. It's not going to happen. But the language of vision is so common to us um, that I'm often unaware of how much I use expressions about uh, vision or the lack of it in um, you know, expressions and figures of speech um, I once did this. This was terrible. When I was in my early 20s, I had just gotten saved, and I drove a taxi for a while. I had just moved back to Alberta. A friend of mine had four cabs, and so I needed some money. I needed a job. So he says, yeah, why don't you use one of these? You know the city really well. So I did it, and I I had a fair... Uh, uh, I had a... It's huh, the wrong word. I had a... <laughs> a I, <laughs> Affair, F-A-R-E. <laughs> okay, this is going to be good. Everybody's on the edge of their seat. Oh, I can't wait to hear how God turned this around. <laughs> okay. I had um, a client. It's not much better, but I... <laughs> and she was at... I had to pick her up in the daytime in the spring where spring in Edmonton, ...is not nice. I didn't understand when people would talk about... ...oh spring, spring is nice and everything. And I, How many people have ever been in Edmonton in the spring... It's not pretty. Everything's melting, and there's grit and sand All the, in the snow. The snow is ugly and gray and black, and it all melts. And, you know, as kids, kids find fun in anything. We did. Um, but it's kind of ugly, and stuff is melting. Then it freezes again, then it snows, and all this kind of stuff. I picked up this girl from CNIB. What, what does that actually stand for? Canadian National Institute for the Blind or of the Blind. Anyway, she was at the front door and I picked her up and uh, helped her to the car. And I realized as I'm driving, because everything's melting, the sun was out, it's glorious. And she's right downtown and the sun is hitting the road and all the ice and snow is melting and I say to this girl, oh, man, the roads are just blinding. And, no, well, I'm just like, I, God, it's just like, what an insensitive, stupid thing to say. And I realized, you know, like, I could say that to any of you, and it probably wouldn't be that big a deal. But I realized at the moment. And so then I'm kind of uptight. I'm trying to think, you know, t- trying to, you know, make conversation to get away from how, you know, what an idiot I am and I took her to to her home which she lived in like row houses and I took her up to the door and I went I sat in the car and then I, you know, got her up to the door and then I realized that the people were walking her down I took her to the wrong door it's like, oh my goodness like, you know, it was they were walking her down so it's just like, she was. She was blind, and I took her to the wrong... Like, Because, you know, all the doors look the same, and I got the wrong number, and it's just... Anyway, that part of it was just gravy on what an idiot I already am, so I sped out of there, and any time, you know, if there was ever another call for that address, I didn't take it. Um, you know, I'm not feeling well. But these, these expressions are just part of our language, right? We throw around things like that, like hindsight... How about this? Here's an expression: hindsight is Always 20, 20. twenty twenty. Yeah, we know that. How about it's like she has eyes in the back of her head. Um, moms do. That's right. Seeing is believing. Um, you know. And then we have even words that we that our our language is full of this. Like hindsight means looking back, looking behind. Foresight looking forward looking ahead oversight someone's overseeing something looking over it insight you know uh, Jonah uh, you know Jonah was had insight from the belly of a whale he, you have insight you have wisdom how about parasite no it doesn't quite fit but you know okay i, I was we have we have these things all over. We we speak about vision all the time. The Bible is actually full of this too. Since we started this, every verse I read, I'm seeing look, eyes, see, blind, vision. It's in it's all through the Bible. It's there. These expressions pertaining to our life in Christ. Uh, Paul talks in Second Corinthians five um, about followers of Jesus being alive in two worlds—the physical one that we apprehend with our natural senses, our you know the sense of hearing and vision and touch and these things. So there, he, we're we're alive in the natural world; it's very real to us, and we're alive in the heavenly or spiritual realm, which is currently unseen. We. And he even uses that kind of language for the most part. And, you know, there are visions that come. And people have little, you know, momentary uh, epiphanies and things like this where they see into the spirit realm. And there are people that, uh, you know, seem to have a gift where that has happened. And they've been able to see things in the spirit realm. But for the most part, we don't see that realm. We're not looking at it all the time. And in the midst of Paul's instruction... He says, we've received the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our citizenship in the unseen realm. That's what he calls it, the unseen realm. And that's that's why we're confident about it, is that we've received the Holy Spirit, and he gives us some kind of insight, some kind of access and apprehension of the unseen realm, which isn't that it isn't that hard to fathom you know when you know a place well like uh, our home i know well i can get up in the night and in the dark you know how you can do that in a room if it's pitch black and from doing it many times you can walk over and grab the door handle oftentimes without even missing it like you know where it is or or even without looking at the stairs if you do that you go up the stairs and you're used to it you know when you've hit the top sort of you're you're used to it now every now and then you know for a second you clue out and you you know if you're going down and you step off two or something and it throws you off but we know how to deal with things because this room in the middle of the night is the same room that it is right now So you could get used to where things are. Well, the Holy Spirit, it's like he has given us a little glimpse of the unseen realm. So that we start to get a little bit of clarity as to where things are. And we know how to function in that uh, that world. And he shows us what is happening in the actual state of affairs. The, Paul says, in the eternal realm, he, if you back up in second uh, uh, corinthians four eighteen he says, Look not at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen because the the things seen are temporal, but the things not seen are eternal they 're even more lasting, even well, you can't say more real because this is real, but they're more lasting. They're going to endure, whereas other things won't. And Paul says in the midst of this, in verse 7 of chapter 5, he says, in terms of this unseen realm, he says, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. In this physical realm... We're walking by faith. Our faith is in things we don't now see. And it even supersedes what we do see, right? And that's challenging, right? Mm -hmm. Because not only can I not see the unseen realm, but often what I do see, and I think we're all the same, It limits my ability to believe what's in the unseen realm, right? Just like Peter, he he said, Lord, if it's you walking on the water, tell me to come to you. And he steps out, he's on the water, he's actually doing it. But what does it say? Then, seeing the wind and the waves, he began to sink. What is happening in the physical, natural world actually can torpedo my faith in what's in the unseen realm that is eternal. Because it's hard for us to just turn off what we see. There's stories all through the Bible, uh, all through the Old Testament, of people who saw something that caused them to lose faith, and other people who looked beyond the thing in the natural and were able to say, No, we're going out against this vast army. And God says, don't don't worry about how many they are. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it. There's something you're not seeing. So go forward and believe me. We walk by faith and not by sight. And actually, faith is sight. It's a kind of sight. In the unseen realm. Even a, uh, Hebrews 11.1 one says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Yep. The evidence of things not seen. So I haven't seen it. But I have enough evidence to believe. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And he has the final say in all things. How can you prove that? Well I can't. But I, faith has been established. And I have enough evidence of him. That I'm walking by faith in that reality. And so faith, in a way, is vision. It is sight. In the unseen realm of the Spirit. This is the sense of sight that I want to develop and have healthy and clear in 2020. In me and in us. We, we want to develop faith vision. We, want, we need faith vision. So that we can walk by faith and not by physical sight. And Jesus wants that for us. That's why he gives us a picture like this. Uh, Let's flip over to uh, if you'd put up uh, John 15 again. John 15. Jesus wants us to have faith vision. So he gives us, gave his disciples on the night he was betrayed, this vision, and it's for us too. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it or cleanses it away that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself or by itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. I'm sorry. uh, uh, Yes, abide in my love. Um, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things... I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You know, that's a funny verse. I was thinking how that doesn't work for anybody but Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is the only one that could say that. It's like... I said that last week, or I should have at the men's breakfast last week. Guys, you're all going to be my friends if you do whatever I tell you to do. No, (laughs) Jesus is the only one that gets to say that because what he says is never tainted by selfishness or poor perception, everything. What he commands us is for our good, always. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Back to verse 8. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. And he says in here, just as a quick recap. Our vision for the year, stay close to Jesus. Actually, even more than that. Stay close to Jesus, it's even more. Ten times in this passage, Jesus says, abide. Abide in me, I abide in you. My words abide in you. Abide in my love, my love abides in you. I abide in my Father's love. This word abide, it means remain in vital living union with me. Jesus saying, remain, stay put Make your dwelling here in, in living union with me. You, we can't just add Jesus to our life. Amen? We can't just add him. He just, he's not a feature of our lives. He just won't have it. He's, he can't be just added. He is our life. That's right. He is our life. This can't be, That can't be exaggerated. Like he, That's why he's the vine, we're the branch. If we're not connected, the life that's in the vine isn't coming into us it can't be exaggerated abide in him do it intentionally in 2020 also in 2020 let's be intentional about Bible intake he says my words abide in you he says you've been trimmed clean by the words I spoke to you we need his word I like this term and if you were here last week maybe you remember me saying rather than read your Bible Bible intake Uh, read it Study it. Um, think it over. Meditate on it. Discuss it with others. Proclaim it. Pray over his words. Let them sink in. Let them transform you. That's what his words do. Um, it's, the Bible is God's self-revelation. He reveals who he is. And because he reveals who he is, it reveals who we are in relation to him. We need the words of Scripture, okay? So intentionally, in 2020, get a vision for reading this book. Do it every day. Get a bit of it, at least. You can get a lot. I, last week, I mentioned there are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. To read it in a full year, you have to only read about three and a quarter chapters. The New Testament has 260 chapters. You could read it easily in three months by reading three chapters, just under, three chapters a day. You can read it in three months easily. The New Testament. Now, I encourage you to at least start there. Read the New Testament, and then the rest of the year you can read the Old as well. It doesn't, it, it isn't an onerous task, and it'll change our lives. We need it. The world looks at us, and they might chide us, Or mock us for adhering to some old book of fairy tales and outdated morals. I know that's being spoken now. I know that in some places, I had heard that in the California school district in the last year, some people were talking about this being hate speech. Because of things that are written in here that go against the sort of fashionable um, morals of the day so that people are looking at things written in there and you know we, we know that some words have been you know kind of you know taken over hate speech just means I, you disagree with my point of view you know those kind of things that happens now but get the Bible it isn't outdated it isn't fairy tales it'll transform our lives tell the person next to you read your Bible okay the natural result that I'm not sure what was funny about it, but the natural result of living, ongoing union with Jesus from this chapter, what is the result? What does he keep pointing to? This phrase, it's used eight times in here, or a word, and seven of the times it says, "Bear fruit." That's the result. He says, abide in me and you will bear fruit. It's like it's guaranteed. If you're abiding in me, the natural result of that will be fruitfulness. And he even says words like this. Verse 2, bear more fruit. Uh, Verse 5, bear much fruit. Um, He says the same thing again. The Father is glorified when you bear much fruit. He says in uh, verse 16, he says, you'll bear fruit and your fruit will remain, endure. Actually, it's the same word that means abide. Your fruit will continue on. It'll keep going. Again and again, the natural result of abiding, of staying connected in union with Jesus is fruit. The way life flows through the branches of a healthy vine and it produces fruit on those branches is exactly what Jesus wants to do with us and in us. It's the result. In fact, Jesus is the absolute perfect healthy vine and it means abundant fruit. You'll bear much fruit. Jesus says this fruit, much fruit, he guarantees fruitfulness to us on the one condition that we abide, that we connect with him and stay connected. And while he says that you abide in me and I abide in you, that sounds like two things, but it's actually one. If we're abiding in him, he's abiding in us. If we're actually, if he's in us, we're in him. That's the way it is. If we remain in living union with Jesus, fruit in our lives is natural and guaranteed. But it doesn't always seem like it, does it? You know, these seasons where it seems like oh, I'm kind of, maybe I'm in a drought season because I don't see fruit happening in my life. I I, I agree. And to someone who's ignorant of uh, farming and gardening and some of that kind of stuff, it we can forget that there's a process involved, right? There's... Fruit doesn't happen when you stick the seed in and immediately there's fruit being produced. It doesn't always happen. We planted a couple of plum trees in our backyard a few years ago. Somebody said, oh, I've got these ones there. We've got this great tree. It's producing lots of fruit. One of Rose's co-workers. And she says, and some of the suckers from this plum tree are growing out into the... They, the part of Burnaby they lived in had a, have uh, has back lanes still. And on the other side of the fence from the plum tree, there were these trees growing out. They were suckers from the, you know, mother tree. And she said, you can get them. So we, you know, came and dug them up and got as much of the root as we could, and we planted them. And for the first probably three years, they did nothing. They looked kind of pathetic and uh, then uh, two years ago I think between the two trees they produced a grand total of six plums and they they were small and they were hard and you wouldn't want to eat them you know they were useless Uh, it was not good fruit but then we pruned a little more aggressively and last year, we had a couple, maybe a couple bowlfuls of them. Yeah, it was pretty good. And they're edible. They're actually good plums, which we knew they would be because they came from a, a good one. We, we don't know a ton about all of that stuff. Rose has much more of a green thumb than I do. But we knew there are certain branches. I took note of them. I was sort of pretending I'm God. I, this branch is a, is a dead one, and it's gone. And I threw it, you know, had a stack of them. It's like there were some I took note of. You could tell, actually, by looking at them. And this is just like one of those sucker branches. It's just, and it's just straight. And it's not, I know it's not going to produce anything. So I, I judged it, cut it off, and I took a stack of them, threw them into the green compost bin where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. They were <laughs> done. But the other ones... They're producing, and we took note of them, so that this year, we'll have it even better. We'll be able to do it. There's a process involved in the whole fruit thing, right? It, it happens. From the very beginning of the Bible, there's this natural process. I mean, from the very beginning. Verse 11 of the first chapter of the book says that God, uh, you know, created uh, light, Then he had the expanse of the waters above and below. Then on the third day, there was vegetation producing after its own kind. And it says God blessed it uh, to be fruitful and to multiply. And the first blessing uh, slash command that God gives to humanity when he creates uh, man and woman... In verse 28 of chapter 1, what's the first thing he says to them? It says, God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Now, he was talking, you know, there specifically about populating the earth, but it's the first thing that God said to humanity Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. Have lots. And he, he, he basically said that to all the other creatures that he made too. It was, they're going to be fruitful and multiply after their kind. After their kind. It's just the natural process. So, what fruit is Jesus talking about? When he says here, we're supposed to bear fruit. There are a few things I think it could be talking about. Jesus is the vine; his life is flowing through the vine. So he's going to do just like in the first chapter of Genesis, produce after his own kind. He's going to reproduce himself in us. Those that plum tree we got is coming from the mother stock, and it's going to produce plums like what that mother tree produced which we know were good mm-hmm. and they have this i i don't know a lot about the whole wine culture and vineyards but i know that when they get a great uh stock, a great vine oh man that thing is protected that thing is valuable that one produces Great grapes. And I know it can be affected year to year by how much sun, how much rain, you know, how long the season, how hot, all those things. But they know that this vine produces good fruit compared to some others. So here's Jesus. He's producing after his own kind, producing what, what does Jesus' life produce in us? More of him. More of him. That's what he's after, the fruit. Look for a moment, uh, if you would, at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, chapter 20, uh, sorry, verse 22 and 23. He has just said a moment earlier, the deeds of the flesh are evident. And he goes through this. Ugly list, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, upwards of anger, um, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and the like, uh, of which I forewarn you. And, you know, it's kind of like, yep, yeah, been there, done that. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things, there's no law. There's no law against this fruit. That fruit that the Holy Spirit is producing is Christ likeness. That's what that is. The Holy Spirit has come, has come into us to make us just like Jesus in love, in joy. In all of these things, the love that Jesus expressed is now expressed through me, through you. The joy of Jesus is expressed in your life. Peace. And uh, here's a thought as I was preparing this. Love, joy, peace. In order for these fruit, these qualities, these attributes... To manifest in us. There are almost always conditions. That allow it to be produced. (laughs) Like look at the next one. Patience. If everything was always perfect. No one would ever know if you have that. So expect some circumstances to sort of happen that will manifest that the patience of Christ is being worked in your life. Now, maybe for you guys, that's not an issue, but it is for me. You know, some of these things, like expect some circumstances where these qualities will get produced. They'll get... Uh, manifested they'll be shown and challenges and contrary circumstances so when patience is expressed it'll be obvious and the father will get glory the father will get glory where somebody will say in fact Michael told me about this uh, in the last year there was a neighbor that uh, he and this neighbor uh, had a disagreement at the front (laughs) Michael just said, the things the guy said to me, he said, I know that Jesus has been doing a work, because if he had said that to me 20 years ago, it would have for sure meant some kind of a violent act. And uh, he he said, you know, the things the guy finally walked away, and he went in the house to sort of, okay, work it, Lord, work it, Lord. (laughs) I'll bring it about, because I'm, you know, I'm gritting my teeth, but at least... There's that progress of going there. And so God is doing that. He's going to allow the circumstances to bring those things about. So here it is. The, the, it's more than just character that Jesus is producing in us. That's the fruit. That you could say it's character, but it's more than that. Good as that is. The gospel and Christ in us is producing transformation a complete transformation it's not just good enough to clean myself up no nope. jesus reproducing himself in me so that yeah i'm not just better i'm not you know that it's like no the old one is gone and the new one is being produced on a daily basis he's working that fruit in us the fruit jesus is intent on producing in you is way bigger than your earthly success or prosperity, right? It's way bigger. He's glorifying the Father by making you just like Him in all things. Is that even possible? Well, with Him it is. And that's what He's aiming at. That's what He's intent on doing in all the untidiness and backwardness and rebellious sort of God- rejecting darkness of our age he's working that kind of fruit it's like god i would have been patient if it wasn't for that guy that had a distant nope (laughs) i mean jesus could have made justification for behaving a certain way right but instead we see how he was and that's the fruit he wants to produce in us he's intent on it and in fact according to this He guarantees it. If we stay connected to the vine, he guarantees fruit in our lives. So if you're a discouraged believer who thinks, gosh, I'm never going to be better at this. Yeah, he's working something in you. You don't have to be discouraged. He guarantees it. Stay connected to him. God, I don't like how I am in this area or that area. Welcome to the club. Amen? Amen. I don't like this, God. I don't like how I responded to that circumstance. And it's like, well, I'm not done. I'm still working. I'm going to produce that fruit in you, son. In you, daughter. He's producing and reproducing himself in us. So here's vision, 2020 vision. A vision in 2020. To abide in him. To let his words abide in us. And to allow him to produce the fruit he wants to produce. And it's going to mean... I don't mean uh, a defeatist kind of acceptance of bad circumstances. But not being blown out of the water when they happen. Amen? Because we know they already will. Let's let God work what he wants in it. And produce the fruit he wants in our lives. And in our church. I want it. I want to be fruitful, amen. I want to be a church where people will come in and meet you and me and say there's something about those people. They're hung, they're they're connected to Christ. They're not just he's not just a feature of their lives. He is their life and fruits being produced. There's something about the way they're carrying themselves and the way they're pursuing God, the way that He's, the, they're, they're, the degree of transformation. Man, I want that. I want that kind of, a, of, a, of a, an environment, amen? An environment of fruitfulness where we're calling it out of one another and expecting it of one another and believing for it for one another, praying for one another for that to happen, amen? Father, I pray that you would continue to um, this word that we just read. uh, We present it to you. We pray that this word would be uh, manifested in our midst. I pray it for each one in this room. For grace to abide, to connect a life-giving, life-flowing union with the vine. I pray for that. I pray for your word, for a new uh, hunger for your word and a new discipline in terms of getting it and a new enjoyment in it and delight in it. And I pray for fruitfulness, God. God, I pray that where it seems like we've been in a season of uh, whether individually or corporately, where we 've been in a season of um, being scaled back and nothing n- nothing that is seemingly worthwhile being produced, I pray you 'd show the fruit you 'd cause it to grow just like those plum trees god if there 's been a season of um, sort of growth and waiting that now would come that Bumper crop, God, that um, that flow of life into these branches and the production of good fruit, abundant fruit, in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, God. I pray that, again, individually and corporately, Lord, that we, as a church, bear the kind of fruit that you want us to bear. Thank you, Lord.